All right, so uh, welcome to the first episode of Brews, Views, and Other Nerdities. Uh, I am your host, Leonard Martinez, and my co-host is Timothy. Is it Timothy or Tim? I like Timothy. I don't know uh, why you know, I like <laughs> Timothy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Timothy is, that is fine. Sounds proper. And do, do you use the Enya in your N, or is it Castaneda? Is it, it Castaneda? It depends on how ethnic I want to seem. <laughs> <laughs> if I get the benefits from the Enya, I will use the Enya. There you go. So <laughs> you tip it. Is it Castaneda, or is it Castaneda? I te- well, in Spanish, it's Castaneda. Castaneda. Right. But, do you um, speak Spanish? I do not. You do not speak Spanish. I do not speak Spanish. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, Timothy, I guess, is fine. I guess it's we're in a, uh, a classy setting, right? We're trying to come off sophisticated, so yes, we'll go with Timothy. And, and you need all the help you can get, <laughs> but let's face it. So, Castaneda? Am I saying Castaneda or am I saying Castaneda? Castaneda is fine. Castaneda. Neda, yeah. Castaneda. N-A-Y-D-A. Okay, um, so bruise views and other nerdities is what we're calling this, and you're okay with that. I love it. I love it. Tell, the, like, tr- tell the truth. No, I love it. I like I liked bruise and reviews, but I did feel it was limited. Um, I I it it just it felt like it's guys drinking beer, talking movies. But as we said, um, with this name, it seems like we can talk about anything. Right. I, I think you're right about that. In in the realm of geekdom and nerd culture. Yeah, and I think I think you can talk about whatever the heck we want to talk about. Um, it is December first, two thousand. Is it to December first? It is December first. <gasps> yeah, yes. we, I know we've been out for a week. So December first. Yeah. Okay, December first, two thousand nineteen. Um, and this is the first episode of Bruise Views and Other Nerdities, and um, and so it's Tim. I, I forgot. Timothy, uh, we settle on Timothy. Why don't you? Why don't you announce yourself? Yeah, Timothy Castaneda. Yes. All right, there we go. And um, this is our first episode, and we're we're really looking at um, talking about whatever it is that we're interested in. Primarily, I think we're going to stick to movies. I think that's where we could both agree that we're we're interested in, right? I think yeah. I think movies is uh, well. That that's what started this whole journey process, whatever you want to call it. Was uh, we um, discovered that um, I am correct on movies. My opinion is correct 100% of the time. And uh, yours yeah. is about 50% of the time. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know, <laughs> I think that the, the most interesting thing about the conversations we have, I don't think we agree on too many movies that we like. We Well, I, I, I think it's where we put the movies. I think there are certainly some movies we disagree about, some that you like that I don't, and vice versa. But I think there's movies that you think that are okay, that I hold in very high esteem, and again, vice versa. There's things that there's movies that you like, like Shawshank Redemption, which I think is a good movie, but it's not in my top seventy-five. Wow. So <laughs> I can think of seventy-five movies that are better than than the Shawshank you, Redemption. For you me. know, you know what's the most interesting thing about this that we're doing right now is that you show up to my house in this podcast and you're not, you're not wearing a film t-shirt. I'm, I'm not. I I'm to, not. I had to go through I, my closet and I had to find my thing t-shirt. So I, I, thought, I, I thought, how could you come to a podcast and we're going to talk about movies and you not wear a movie shirt? Well, you know, I'm a dad now, so all of my uh, all of my wardrobe consists of free stuff that I've been given. So for like free football stuff and free shirts that people shot at me out do of a cannon. Do you so own not too many. Do you own any movie t-shirts? I used to have a few. I used to have like a Goonies t-shirt and stuff. Okay, it looks like 80s go. stuff, but uh, I need to I need to step up my my 
uh, my film wardrobe game. You don't have like the Kubrick line of novelty <laughs> T-shirts in your like in, the, in mint condition in your closet. The Apollo sweater from The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Although I should I should look into that and see if they have that. No. A Tang? You don't have a Tang T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I do want though is uh, from Step Brothers, which is a this silly comedy you probably haven't seen, but um, the one of the characters, uh, John C. Riley's character. The first T-shirt you see him wearing is a Return of the Jedi shirt with Yoda, Yoda with the half face. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's like it's a famous image where it's like half of Yoda's face. No, the other side blacked out. Well, it was on all the marketing, but uh, that's another one that I want. So, I'll start there. I'll start with the um, the Apollo moon landing. There you go. Sweater. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked you don't have a uh, Kubrick uh, novelty T-shirt apparel in your closet. Yeah. Honestly, he, he, he wasn't known for. I, there's not too much Kubrick merchandise, is there? Uh, the poster. I mean, you get the movie posters. I know my movie boy posters. has a Clockwork uh, Orange. Oh, we'll go that way. Yeah, okay, that poster that's because that's a pretty widely recognizable uh, poster. Yeah, the triangle and everything. Yeah, like that, which uh, we can talk about sometime. Yeah, way <laughs> way further on down the road. Um, so I think we're, we we want to start this out with a beer pour. I mean, we have brews. Brews uh, is in the title of the show, so I want to start out with pouring a beer. So I have a beer in front of me. It's um, it's called Ain't That Pretty. It's a hazy double IPA put out by Green Cheek um, Beer Company, which happens to be one of my favorite beer companies right now currently. So we're going to start with this one. And then if we get to a second beer, I'll also pour out a second beer. Um, I'll have I have the official uh, I have the official glass from the brewery that I'll pour for my beer. You just get the generic beer glass. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Well, when you when you when you go up a couple of levels in uh in your beer IQ, then you can get your own personal uh, glassware. So I think I poured you more than I poured me. Wow. Um, but so here's cheers. To the first uh, first episode. Oh. That is super good. You, you like that or not? Uh, it was good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> now, it's funny because I, I, I got to get back into this, uh, this the title of the show, and, and it's gone through a couple of iterations now. And, but beer's always been a part of it. And then when we started talking about what the show is going to consist of, I find out you actually don't really drink beer or even kind of you don't like beer, I think, right? I I guess I'm not a connoisseur. I'm not a connoisseur of beer, which some people are. You know, they get the flavors and uh, the production of beer. Um, it, it's funny, as, as much as I like to overthink things and overanalyze things, when it comes to alcohol, I prefer to just get straight to the point. So, you know, if I'm going to get drunk, I'm going to get drunk as quickly as possible. So it sounds like we need an intervention um, soon, Well, perhaps. it's okay once a month. I mean, this is okay. not, it's not like every day. Okay. All right. It's one time a month or sometimes once uh, every, you know, four or five months. So it's not a um, – I don't drink a lot, but when I do, it's, um, it's a rather uh, blunt affair. Let's put it that way. Okay. So – um, we'll, we'll introduce you to new beers. Some you're going to like, some you're not going to like. This is a, I like this. This is a, a hazy IPA. This is kind of a big thing that's been going around the country probably now for the past two years. It's, uh, it originated on the uh, East coast and it's made its way here and it's not your traditional IPA. It's uh, it's a sweeter, uh, more floral bouquet. Um, and, and, you know, there's a hardcore tr traditionalist saying, Hey, this isn't, this isn't an IPA. The, the the West Coast IPA is uh, 
is what an IPA should be like. So there's always this East versus West Coast thing, kind of like uh, Biggie and Tupac um, <laughs> in beer, in the beer sense. So um, that's our beer. Pour, we'll enjoy that. And like I said, we can pour another one. I have another one on deck uh, in case we need it. Um, but I wanted this first episode to be about, I mean, I've known you now for probably two years now, three years, two and a half years, something like that. Two years, I think about two years, yeah. And uh, one of the things we immediately hit it off with is talking about movies. I mean, we that was one of the things that, that I think we we talk more about movies than work sometimes. I think all the time, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, uh, one of our coworkers, she met you first, and uh, she said that one of the first things you said was, I'm a huge nerd. And I said, oh, what that, you know, because I'm, I'm a certain kind of nerd. There's There's different, like, variations of, like, geeks and nerds, right? There's, like cinema art people and there's video game people which i'm not so i didn't know what that meant that you're either like a video game person or like an anime person or you know there's different right different uh different uh um, flavors of nerd if you will <laughs> so uh i think when we talked i don't I, I don't remember what the first movie we talked about it was. had to be batman i'm assuming right because you, you had all the batman paraphernalia we might have talked about batman first and i think we talked I remember now. It was Batman v Superman. Oh Jesus! <laughs> it was Dawn of Justice. We we, we had to de- we're gonna have to dedicate a, a podcast <sighs> just maybe to Batman and the portrayal of him in in, in the movie. So I'm not a big fan of uh, I'm not a big fan of Batman in in the movie sense. So that probably be its own show in itself later on. But I think that's how we start talking about. Yeah, and I I'm one of the few people that actually, I, well I didn't just like Batman v Superman. I really loved it. And then you were like, no, that was awful. And so, and that, uh, yeah, I think that that was the first movie, and that was the first, yeah, we definitely have to talk about that at some point. I, I'd like to revisit that whole Justice League fiasco, for sure, um, because it just, it really fell apart spectacularly. So, one of the things that, that I wanted to do for the first episode was talk about, like, we're, I mean, we talk about films, and, and clearly we're very passionate about movies, and, and, and so I thought the first episode we would kind of explore what what got us to where we're at and and why are we why are we so um uh passionate about talking about film and and challenging each other and and looking at deeper levels or or refusing to look at deeper levels so (laughs) where would you say where would you say your passion for film came from um i i think like most people film is a is a part was a part of life early on in life um, but I think for, for I've always been an artistically minded person, and um, my earliest memories are of of watching films with my dad. I one of my earliest memories is I have very very vivid recollection of us watching the nineteen eighties version, maybe no nineteen seventy eight version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Donald Sutherland. Just saw that. Just saw that literally like two weeks ago with, with the, the first kids. time. No 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 no. But oh, with that. the kids. It, it, incredible film and i remember being profoundly affected by the sense of paranoia and dread in that movie and i can't remember it was on pbs one night i was watching with my dad so i have early memories um and i think film for me is is, i I eventually mentioned this to you before but i never wanted to be a filmmaker so with photography or with music things i've dabbled in i've always compared myself uh to musicians or to uh to photographers or at least pictured how i could accomplish that or how i could you know where i where um you know my own creations but with film i never wanted to write film or 
direct film. So I could I just could relax and just really enjoy film, like like painting. I never wanted to paint, so it's never been something that I I looked at with a I don't want to say critical eye, but I I never put myself in the filmmakers or the or the creators' shoes. I never no, I never I never thought how they did that. I just looked at it from a pure uh, audience point of view. But that's is, kind of weird though, because when we talk about Kubrick, you're constantly talking about <laughs> Kubrick doing this and Kubrick doing that. And I think you're constantly putting yourself in the shoes of the filmmaker, especially that filmmaker, about what he's doing to to manipulate or to reach our subconscious on some um, some type of uh, uh, you know um, theoretical journey. I know what you're saying, and I, but I, I think the difference is that. So I, I guess to elaborate more, I'm never putting myself in a technical perspective. So like if I'm listening to an album. When I used to listen to albums very critically, Interpol, Led Zeppelin, Pearl Jam, I'm thinking of the guitars they used, where they positioned a mic, what kind of amps they were using. I'm, li I'm listening to how it was mixed, all this stuff. But I'm watching a Kubrick movie. I'm not thinking about the camera angles or the camera he used or the lighting. I'm looking at where does he want me to focus? Where does this event fit into the narrative? What's the symbolism of this? So you're right. It's delving very deep, but it's from a non-creator's perspective. It's It's like... What, what is he trying to show me kind of thing? And what is his thought process? But there's a, a the, the bridge, like the, the technical bridge, like what like I said, what was the shot? What was the lighting? Um, you know, what was the, the cinema? What were the cinematography considerations? Like I won't think about that, like how difficult it was to film in snow or something. But I will think about, okay, what were the cinematographer's choices? Why did he show me this? Or why was this angle used? So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if that, separates it clearly enough where that makes sense but well the other thing i think about is um we were currently talking about we, we talked about in in recent times uh, about making a movie yes and uh, i sent you a copy of that short story and you're like yeah, we could totally shoot this and i yeah. think i think we really could totally shoot it um but that also puts you in the filmmaker role it does and that's but that was the first time very first time so to circle back to like why i like film i think yeah film takes that I guess that um, yeah, that creator's lens off of it, and I'm just able to appreciate the art just from just from an artistic, a consumer of art perspective, if that makes sense. So, Body Snatchers, you saw at not in a theater. No, no, I saw that at home. So, what is what what are some of your earlier memories memories of like going to the movie theater and and watching a movie? Lion King in '95. Man, you're a kid. Uh, yeah, Lion King. Um, and I think. Theaters themselves, uh, there's there's a great theater. You, I think you know the Academy in Pasadena. Nope. Um, it's a second run theater, so like three dollar movie tickets. Oh yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, I know, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, theaters themselves are one of the last vestiges of like vestiges. That's, uh, what, that's kind of a pretentious word. What vestiges? <laughs> okay, I'll leave it this way. Okay, where? Okay, if if live performances in theaters are one of the few places now, aside from like the workplace, where People set aside their, you know, their phones and their wearable technology, and they just you're forced to observe something. Right. And it's still rude to look at you. Like that's the one place where it's like, even in conversations you look at your phone. Right. You look at your iWatch, whatever. Check your emails. But in theaters, that's the one place where it's still rude to not fully pay attention to something. Well, it's sacred, right? It, it's I a mean, sacred it's place. It's a yeah. sacred event that that people want to have that intimacy of connecting. Yeah, and and I think uh, even 
so th- those are my my earliest memories are of the the theater is like this mysterious place um i do not want to reference jj abrams in the mystery box i don't want to reference that at all which is a, what's the mix what's the, what's the mystery box oh it's, it's too late you already referenced it now yeah and i and i actually have jj abrams on my list of things to talk about here so well, what's the I, I don't want to talk too long because i want to get i, I want to hear from your your but well i guess we can we'll segue after this but uh jj abrams summed up his approach to movies um by thinking of the of the movie theater and the movie itself as a mystery box like a package of riddles and that's, pre- that's pretentious it's very pretentious and he and he compared it to this box of uh, this mystery box that his grandfather gave him that you bought at a uh, he bought at a an old magician's shop so the idea was you would buy this special box for like five bucks and it had uh, uh, different tricks in it that you wouldn't know what it was until you opened it okay so and he never opened it he claims he left it so for like 30 years this has been sitting because he liked the mystery of it but the reason why people Wait, get and he crazy, opened it eventually he's never opened it he claims. Because okay, so, when he opens it, I imagine there's going to be some lens well, flare it's, uh, occurring it, or, or, as he opens it, right? It, yeah, it's going to be a giant explosion and just you know candy pouring out of the screen. I don't know, but um, but the reason why that's that that um, story he tells is so derided, and uh, it's because that sums up like his just his whole career loss. Like um, again, The Force Awakens, Laws, Super Eight, all these movies, Star Trek movies, Fringe. Don't forget Fringe. Uh, I haven't seen Fringe, but they they're so focused on the mystery and and setting everything up that when you finally get the resolution it's just it falls flat which makes sense because when you open the mystery box it's never going to live up to the expectations of right. 30 years of wondering right. what's inside right. it might be a stupid coin flip trick right. you know um but uh, but yeah so the, the movie theater was a sacred place like you said and so uh, Lion very mysterious king, place lion king what else um, Lion King, that's circa 1995, right? 95, yeah. Um, and I, classics, grew up watching a lot of the... On TV? Uh, no, video stores. So old Sherlock Holmes movies, yeah. Charlie Chan movies, uh, a lot of westerns, a lot of Spencer Tracy movies, a lot of black and whites. So uh, when I was growing up, I never, I like, I, you know, I, I was quoting Marx Brothers movies and... Laurel and Hardy and Three Stooges and people were like, "What? Like you're weird? Like what are you? T- what are you talking about? You know, I wasn't I, quoting like." I'm uh, thinking they might have thought you're weird for other reasons too. Probably. Okay. Probably. Just to kind of put that out there, Tim. <laughs> probably it wasn't just the Marx Brothers quotes. It was yeah, it was probably a lot of other things too. But uh, that did, certainly didn't help. Quoting Groucho Marx in the second grade does not give you cool points. Were you bullied? Is that, is this, uh, I wasn't fla- bullied. Are you flashbacks no, of uh, repressed no, memories yeah. of being bullied? No, no, I'm not having a Woody Allen flashback right now, but, uh, no, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I had a, an, a, a very, um, I guess I had an old soul when it came to movies, even at a young age, so. And so you, you feel your, your dad fosters that? I mean, definitely. Do you, do you guys still watch movies or talk about movies still? Yeah, it's been a while, but up until a couple of years ago, definitely, yeah. So I, I find that as you get older, you kind of just you start returning to stuff that you knew, and you're less adventurous. So um, we don't watch new movies much anymore, but we'll talk about a Charles Bronson movie or um, like, like Death I, Wish, like Death Wish Two uh, or Hard Times. Death Wish, Death Wish Two is a classic, great movie, which is also on my list of movies to talk about. Great movie, that's one we agree about. Agree on, yeah. I didn't say it was a great movie. Just it's on my list of uh, <laughs> okay. movies to touch base on. 
in this okay. episode. Well, it's, uh, yeah. It's not mediocre. Let's agree on that. It's, it's uh, I mean, Charles Bronson's Charles Bronson. I mean, he goes and he does this tough guy thing, and uh, he's very good at it. So, um, you know, I go back to, like, The Dirty Dozen. You know, he's excellent in that. That movie's an excellent movie. Which I haven't seen. Oh, see? That's what I haven't seen. That's, that goes to one of those, uh, what what haven't you seen that you need to see? The Dirty Dozen is probably one of those movies you need to see. It has an all-star cast in it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although I would say that not seeing The Dirty Dozen isn't as bad as not seeing Gone with the Wind. Oh, which I which have you not haven't seen. seen. Like, to me, that's that's like cinema 101. Well, I okay. you know I did go to film school. It was I, it was not. Right, okay. I did take a semester right. long course in Alfred Hitchcock, by the way. Okay. So well, maybe that makes up for it, but still. Yes, I've seen every okay. Hitchcock film in 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 that there is. Regrettably, and right? you don't but, like them, yeah? No, we, is... yeah, we can have another episode just on <laughs> Hitchcock, and and I don't get it. Yeah. You know, I I I've I've I think we're gonna segue to me now. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's time. Um, I I've always looked at film. As a, a, a sto- it's storytelling, right? I mean, I know, I know you look at it for additional layers, and, and I respect that, and I love to have those conversations with you. But for me, cinema has always been uh, an avenue of an avenue to to tell a compelling story, and so when it's done right, like the Shawshank Redemption, it resonates with you, and you know, and so for me. We, you know, we, me and my my siblings and my mom, I mean, we were exposed to cinema at like a very early age. And um, I say, you know, my grandma used to just hop us up. She'd have one of those old VW vans and she would just throw us all in the van and and we'd go to the show. And so it was kind of interesting because as I was doing my research for today's episode, I started thinking about some of the theaters that we used to go to um, as kids that she used to drive us to. And so I did some research, and uh, and so one of the theaters I remember her taking us to was called the Vegabond Theater, um, and that was uh, and, it, and it was around since the twenties. I mean, it was it was around it was I think it was and I don't have my dates in front of me. I think it was nineteen twenty five, um, and it opened as a theater house, and then in the fifties it got converted to a movie house, um, and in the seventies when I grew up it was kind of a, a revival house, so. My grandmother loved movies. I think it was part of having um, grown up in that kind of post-depression era where it was escapism. And I think she, you know, fell in love with cinema and then ultimately brought us on board to, to share in that love. And so... And where was this? It's a, it's called the Vagabond Theater. It's in Los Angeles. Uh, it's not called the Vagabond Theater. It's called something else now. Um, and it's not no longer a movie house, I don't think. But I remember seeing Wizard of Oz. Three movies I remember Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain, and Thief of Baghdad. And and I remember seeing prints. I mean, how many people have seen a print of the Wizard of Oz? Or how many people have seen a print of Singing in the Rain? It's a it's a rarity unless, you know, you're you were going to the movies um, when those films were released. So it was a very it, she threw us in the van. We'd go see these movies, and we'd see them multiple times. It's not like we would go see it once and we'd be done. We'd go back and do repeat viewings of it, um, you know, throughout the year. So it was a very, very sentimental experience for me now. And when I reflect on it, I'm thinking like, wow. Early on, you know, I must have been five, six, seven years old, maybe early on. I was getting the exposure to this, this, this medium that that was engaging it told a story and it also provided a, a, an escape for us i mean you know we grew up super poor i'm, I'm kind of sure how we afforded to go to the theater now that i think about it 
she might have she might have <laughs> snuck us in in the back you know that might have happened you know might have <laughs> snuck us in the back now which reminds me of something else now that i think about when we used to go to the drive-in theater i remember we, she used to sneak us in because that you hide underneath the yeah you, well she I, put that blanket remember, over us yeah. and we'd hide i i we did that before too at the old uh the vineland when we were kids yeah we, the vineland we hid in the back of the ford taurus uh god man i don't know if i, <laughs> I don't know if i would do that today with with my kids to save a couple of bucks. Well, but, no, uh, it's a different time. But now. different time and different, different time. time. Yeah, that, I, that's uh, like we like grandma used to take us to the Sizzler for all you can eat shrimp and then throw the shrimp in her purse. I mean, it's a di- it's a different time. It's a different. Yeah, I respect that. It's a different mentality, though, right? I mean, yeah, I think so. We make so. we make comfortable livings, I think, and so that's we, that's yeah. not. We don't have the same considerations that our our uh, our caregivers did. I think for what sure. Did, what did your parents your parents worked? Uh, my mom stayed at home, um, and my dad, uh, yeah, my dad worked. And what does your dad um, do for a living? He's worked in refrigeration for a long time, but okay. he used to be a truck driver when we were real little kids. That meant he left, like, was so, like statewide or nationwide? Or? Statewide. Okay. No, not nationwide, but he would go to different states and stuff. But, um, but they had kids, they had three of us so young, so it was always tough. So I, I remember catch-up and cracker months and stuff like that for sure. Um you know, so yeah, we. Cer- I certainly have way more um, uh, first world problems these days. I'm sure you do too. Than than uh, than we yeah, when you were kids. You know, dealing with having to eat ketchup and crackers because that's all you could do. Yeah, now it's know? like uh, Huggum Sam's doesn't have this, and geez, now I got to go to Ralph's. I mean, yeah, know. yeah, I'm complaining about. Uh, all, yeah, f- yeah, the stuff I complain about now is unbelievable compared to me being a kid. But I mean, ultimately, you know, we it was a different time. Our parents had in my my you know my mom really didn't hold down much of a job um, growing up. My grandma worked at a a poultry factory, and I'm sure didn't mm. make much money doing that. Um, so it was a different it was a different time in a different area. I mean, we grew up like really impoverished, and so uh, you know now I have a, a education, I have a steady job. You know, um, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, well, let me ask you this question: Do you think that you um, because I, I remember like mashed potato sandwiches because we just had a mashed potato box with water and we had bread. Yep. So, and I, I think I do a decent job now of being thankful for the stuff I have compared to what my child, childhood was like. Right. Do you think that you, do you think that you have, um, as much as you would like, appreciated what you have now compared to then? Or do you think sometimes you forget and... Well, I... Yeah, again, I I grew up poor. I mean, I grew up poor, poor. I grew up in a horrible neighborhood, and and we didn't have much of anything. Although, I, in doing research last night, you know, you start doing, it's like, uh, it's like, um, you go into infinite possibilities. You start googling something, and then it leads to a different search. Um, and so we didn't have much growing up, but we did have an Atari. And and I was trying to think, uh, how did we afford that? Because conceivably we should have been able to afford that that was high tech back then it was high tech and we also had a commodore 64c which was also very expensive at the time and i don't know uh, we i don't know how we got that yeah we there might have been some (laughs) Some illegal there there might have been some illegal going on there yeah yeah, i'm not lying there might have been some illegal stuff going on in, in in my household for us to afford some of that stuff because to, to have one it's like okay maybe you can scrape together enough for one for the family or whatever 
But to have both of those, that again, that that's high tech. It the, was high tech. The Commodore was the computer, right? The yeah, computer. Yeah. So it had everything: the keyboard, the monitor. Well, no, 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 no. So back then, the Commodore was a, a, a it was a, um, it was totally independent. It was a keyboard. It had your processor on it. It was all on board. You basically hooked it up to a TV. Oh, okay. So it was, it was self-contained. With, it was with self-contained. a little, uh, little U. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The U. That's exactly. <laughs> I think. I believe that's the way it probably worked out. With a little box in the back. Yeah, yeah I remember so those. it was a complete self-contained uh, personal computer. One of the first personal computers that was available for you know the mass, uh, yeah for mass, mass consumption. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I, I'm so good at using computers now because I was doing basic programming at like eight years old or something like that. But getting back to what you're saying, having an appreciation like. I've always been a minimalist, and and I mean, you look in my house. I don't have a lot of cool stuff. I I barely got that TV uh, probably about three weeks ago, and I got it oh. at Sam's for super cheap. The TV I had prior that I had for ten years, and it's oh, in, really? and it's in my boys' oh. room now. Okay, so I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm cheap. I wouldn't say I'm frugal, but I don't necessarily need to have a lot of fancy stuff. So you don't have a, a strong compulsion to have the newest. I do. I just don't go out and buy it. I mean, I want a new car. I, mean, I have a 2011 car, and it's eight years old now, or almost nine years old. I'm thinking, like, yeah, I'm 47. I'm hitting midlife crisis. I need, like, a Dodge Challenger or a Camaro or a Mustang. Get a Mustang. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm thinking about that, but I haven't gone out and done it yet. So Greatest movie cars. That's a good uh... Cars too. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I would say the '68 Fastback from Bullet. Oh, Steve I was gonna McQueen. say Bullet. I've never seen it. Is it good? It's it's an it's an average to it's an average '60s cop thriller, but that chase scene makes it it elevates it to a cultural status that the movie itself doesn't deserve. There you go. So um, I've not seen it. Um, I don't even know if I've seen any Steve McQueen movies wasn't he in that one twilight zone episode was, was it was he in the was twilight, he in zone, twilight zone maybe i think in robert redford the death one that's robert, robert redford yeah robert redford plays death in a twilight zone this one um, is steve mcqueen in a twilight zone episode no actually robert redford is not death spoiler alert for a he's not death he's not death in that uh oh in a, in, in a 60 year old uh Oh wait, was he dead? He's dead. I, Remember, he's the, the old ladies there. He wants to come in the house. Yeah, but he pretends to be hurt or something, and yeah. he takes her by the hand. And, and he's dead. He oh, takes I gotta watch to... it again because I thought that she thought he was dead. No, he's dead. Was... Okay. Yeah, no, she she's a, she thinks he's dead, and he's dead at the end, right? Doesn't he take her away to heaven? You might be correct. I haven't seen that episode in a long time, but you I might be correct. I believe he is uh, like an angel. A very good looking angel. You're pro. You're pro. You're probably right. I if. With, you see, it's maybe it's a Mandela effect. Yeah, that's because, what I was gonna say. The version, the version that I remember, but I, but I'm not 100 percent on this. I would be 60 percent on this. So you're you're probably right if you if you're more than 60 percent. The version I remember is that she was a kind of hermit, who yep. um, a shut in, yeah, a shut in. Yeah, that's the right word. A Agor- agoraphobe. Yeah, she's afraid of death, so she decides to stay inside. And he comes, and she thinks he's death, but he's really not, and he reintroduces her to the world at the end. But what on earth I, are you watching? But that now that I'm saying no, it, she dies. Now, that I'm, now that I'm speaking it out loud, that doesn't sound like a Twilight Zone no. episode. Does it? it would be a Twilight Zone episode if he if he was death. He is death. He, okay, all right. I think he's. I'll death. take your word for it. Like <laughs> I, 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 I would try looking it up, but then we'll hold it, the keys like clock on the yeah. uh, the microphones. Uh, and you're behind, like way behind I am on that behind. beer. Yes, I am. Um. So, again. Grandma used to take us to watch movies. My mom loved movies. She used to take us to watch movies all the time. And there was uh, 
there was a couple of theaters I remember her taking us to. One was a California in Huntington Park, which was originally open like in again the twenties. I guess there was a big push for movies in the twenties, and uh, during the during the seventies, it got retrofitted to be a triplex. So I was born in Huntington Park and 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 lived not too far from there. But we used to go watch movies at the, the California, and but my mom used to take us to watch all the inappropriate movies. Like I saw Hills Have Eyes, I saw The Exorcist, I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm trying to. I'm trying to establish a time frame as to how old I must have been to watch these <laughs> movies because I'm fucking I'm, I'm thinking like I was five years old, and which explains a lot. It explains a lot. Yeah. Well, no, the, I, I, w- I think that, again, it's all relative, right? But if you saw The Exorcist, Exorcist at five or six. Yeah, it explains why I had issues, I think, right? Well, but th- there was nothing like that. So, like, I know my one of my uncles was – I, you know, when I was a kid, and I'd heard, or I was younger, I heard the story about how he reacted the Exorcist. How we had to, he had to sleep with, uh, like for like months, he had to sleep with someone else. He couldn't fall asleep alone. He would break out like in crying fits at school and stuff. Like at the time when you're younger, that sounds oh that's funny. It was really scared, right? But now the lens I have now, those sound like PTSD symptoms. Yeah. You know, I and and again, it is just a movie, but. It's all relative. If you've never seen that before, well, and, and like you're that. five years old, I mean, and you're five years old. I think that you know, if, if you grow up like, um, if you grew up in the '90s and everything's just, it shocks you more. It's louder. Things are more faster paced. So your, your, your mind is um, just less sensitive. I think to, and that movie is still scary. But again, if you show if you show The Exorcist today, to someone in seventh or eighth grade or sixth grade, they wouldn't think it was very scary. Right. Because they've seen way, way more graphic stuff. And we graphic. have movies like Saw and that right. kind of thing, which I'm not railing against. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. They made. I don't think those are good movies, but I do think that by making movies that are that graphic, you do lose some of the impact of. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why there hasn't been any great horror movies in the past. Um, uh, should we well, talk about Hereditary? Hereditary, <laughs> Hereditary is, is is an all time great, oh, and I will defend that to my grave. That was an but, episode, just you defending that. I'm just uh, gonna throw out a bunch of like, just, you're on trial, you're on trial, and uh, and I'm you going, can't handle the truth. That's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna do. It's gonna be Q and A, Q and A, Q and A. I'm gonna prep a hundred questions about Hereditary, and you're gonna have to defend that film. I think I can defend it. You but, think so? But it's gonna be a barrage. You know, it ain't gonna just be me. I'm gonna bring in two other co-hosts. <laughs> And we're just going to be like a triumvirate, and we're just going to just start barraging you with questions, and you're going to have to defend that movie because I don't think think that movie is defendable. I think that's going to be that's going to be an episode. I think I could. That's going to be. I don't get that movie. And we've talked about hereditary revisited. Yes. So you better be prepared. You need to do your homework. You need to watch that movie. Do you own that movie? I have it. Yeah. You own it. Well, I have it on on digital street. Yeah, I have digital. Yeah. And you, so you've purchased that movie. I purchased that one and Midsummer, which people did not like. People, most people didn't like that movie. I thought it was, thought it was great. <laughs> I have not. I've not seen it. My daughter seen it. She said it was good. Ari Aster, that director, is is a potential all time great. I think. Really? I I think so. Like in the vein of Kubrick. Oh, I was going to say in the vein of M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> oh God! That, no, I, I he he is a huge disappointment to me. No, in the vein of Kubrick, in the vein of uh, get out of here. Of um, uh, like uh, I, I'm, Tarantino. I'm I not a fan of Kubrick, but I understand what he's contributed. So like I do understand his place in cinematic history. I, I totally get that. So you're likening this guy to a Kubrick? Uh, no, I, I'm. It's it's like a, a trajectory of a ro- trajectory of a rocket, right? I'm not saying he's reached the heights of Kubrick, but he's got the right trajectory. I'm really I'm really 
conscious of like my pronunciation now. Now that we're recording this, like I'm trying to be much more um, clear. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to have my speech be a lot clearer. Than, enunciation, than enunciation, enunciation. Yeah, enunciation. Yeah. Um, Trajectory. I, I guarantee you, you'll stop thinking about that if you keep on drinking. <laughs> okay. Like you're down. I'm waiting to pop another beer, and I can't pop another beer yet. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, I when me and the kids watched that uh, probably a couple of months ago. Still a brutal movie. That Still. is bone chilling. Brutal movie. I mean, they, th- how did they find the actors to do this movie? I mean, it is bone chilling. And you know, to this it, day, yeah, and, and to, no, to this day, and and something else about that film too is, um, you know, this could be a whole whole segue, a whole tangent that we I won't get into, but um, every everybody. And whoever listens to this, okay, every one of us has found our way into the dark corners of the internet where you've seen, you know, you looked up like the terrorists, like beheadings or like car bombs and stuff. Or I think everyone's you, you done can't that. unwatch that stuff. You, you can't know unwatch that, right? that. No, you, you can't. can't. You, you can't. can't. But what I what the reason why I bring it up is because it wasn't, you know, I was always afraid to look at that stuff when I was younger. But I, a couple of years ago, I had well, one of my friends is a is a surgeon, and he was telling me about some of the things he sees in the ER. Right. And um. And so, of course, I get you looking through, okay, real like broken bones on YouTube, right? Yeah. Or real stuff. Like, and then eventually, you find yourself like on websites like LiveLeak, where it's like the security cam footage yeah. of like people getting crushed by trucks and stuff. Uh, and, faces and, of death. Or faces. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I that which is, but the reason I bring that up is because if you look at a movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, especially because I don't I don't particularly know the the production history if it was low budget or not. But it's got that low budget, like handheld camera feel. Yeah. So docu- it looks like a documentary. Yeah, which makes it feels like like a snuff film. Yeah. It, and and the reason I bring up is other, you know, because if you see enough footage of, um, again, like car accidents and just these horrible things that happen, and then you look at a movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Saw, and you're like, yeah, does how much how much can your mind tell the difference? Like on some level, we know it. But subconsciously, at least on a symbolic level, you're seeing someone's eye get taken out. You're yeah. seeing someone chopped in half with a chainsaw. Yeah, the, the, you know, like that. That's there's something to that. So think about that. And I don't know when's the last when's the last time you've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre because we just saw last it like a couple of months ago. Oh, so so year. pretty recent. recently. Yeah. You know what? What is what is amazing about that movie? Not much happens to it. Not, not much happens narrative. in it. Sparse Except narrative. for like maybe the last thirty minutes where they're in the house. Very sparse narrative, yeah. It does this amazing job of creating this eerie tension and this you feel this pit in your stomach for an hour and nothing really much is happening. That they're they're going about, they meet the guy, the weird guy who, who stabs the other guy with the knife and yeah, yeah, the, and, the, and that's the an thing. actor and you're thinking like, dang, that guy's not acting. That's like the legit crazy. Like that, how did that guy not win an Academy Award for for Best Supporting Actor for being crazy? He he's got that deliverance thing going on. Uh, it's re- um, it's a really bone chilling yeah. feeling, and not much happens in that movie except for it's not that it's not that graphic until the end. It's not that graphic till the end, and I think uh, it, it's very atmospheric. And like I said, the the, the handheld. I don't want to use that, but the snuff film quality that it seems to have is very—it's it, ah, yeah, it's—it's it's disturbing. It's disturbing, and it holds—it holds up. And, and, and you know, it holds thirty years up. later, it holds up. And, and I, well, I think part—I see. I have a theory about movies that hold up over time. I don't think that they hold up the same way 
like that now that if you watch them now from a modern lens, they hold up in a different way than someone who saw it in 1970, whatever, when it came out. Um, so like, for example, if you watched it again, the exorcist in 19, whatever that came out was 73. Yeah. Something like that. that. If you watched it then and you watch it now, you can appreciate it now on a different level. You can't appreciate it the way someone watched it in 73 or whatever. And the same thing with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think they kind of evolve and morph over time to where when I watched it now, I'm looking at it from a, you know, I have all these other frames of reference, all these right. other cultural reference points. You know, these, I've seen it parodied a million times. I've seen um, ripoffs. I've seen, you know, posters and stuff. Um, so I think movies that hold up have a, have a different, like, they, they, they kind of flow, like a river, they kind of flow with the culture and they move and morph. Um so, but that movie holds up today, at like for example, I think the performance of the um, uh, the 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 guy, the disabled uh, guy, I forgot his name, but he 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 he's almost like the straight man in the movie. He's um, he recognizes how creepy everything is. He doesn't want to leave the car, right? That performance today reads differently than it did in seventy whatever. Today it comes off as like jittery and overdone, but it but it works. It fits with the movie. I think back then you're you're looking at that performance differently. Um, I just think you're closer to hammier movie performances and right. you know that kind of thing. So in other words, like you know if you look at um, like for example, somebody fifty years from now looks at a movie with a rock in it and probably thinks like right. <laughs> you know, like he's called the rock and he, it's like how much depth does he have as a character, you know, as a, how much depth the character can he portray. So they're probably looking at it differently than like the same way we look at now, like Laurel and Hardy. They're not that popular anymore. They, they just don't read as well. You know, well, um, that goes back to our, our Chaplin conversation we're having the other day. I say, I say Chaplin, Chaplin's still brilliant. And, I, and it probably is. I, I told you, I haven't, I, he kind of creeped me out, so I never really watched it as yeah, a kid. Yeah, no, you go back and you it. go back and watch that stuff now. And uh, God, I was watching a movie, and there was a uh, Chaplin clip in it, and I can't remember what movie I was watching. And I was like, "Wow, that's a it's a Chaplin clip in that." Uh, they reference Modern Times a lot, movie. right? That's yeah, the what one that's uh, yeah, Modern Times a, a genius. I mean, besides being um, super hysterical, definitely some some deeper themes in there that I'm sure you you would appreciate, but. Uh, uh, I mean, excellent, excellent film. Um, so looking back at some of the other theaters that we visited when as a kid, you know, I grew up in Southgate. So we, I'm sorry, had, can we, I pause for a second? Yeah. I just, I'll pause for a second. When we, when we just, just will. But when we first talked about doing this, I think there was a concern that we wouldn't be able to fill up like 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, we're going good on time. <laughs> we're going good we're, on time. We're doing, we're Continue. Good. My and, apologies. And we're not. And we're not. We I haven't got to the media, but we're still, yeah. Uh, you know, that's it's, okay. It's funny, though, because uh, we're looking at, uh, we're talking about doing prep work, and uh, we're we're goofing around before we started recording about our different styles. And and I'm like OCD. I, I literally have a, a an outline of what I need to talk about. And I look at your notes. It's like fifth grade, like fifth, a five-year-old scribble I, scrabbles who who typed them out. I went, I went full Kerouac on this one. Yeah. So you, <laughs> stream of consciousness. Um, so I told you, I'm, I'm, yeah, like Kanye. What Just, is your, uh, your, your crazy? What your Kanye? Oh, Kanye. Kanye. Yeah, because uh, no, because he, he, he does that when he. Don't ask my wife. Don't ask me how I know this stuff. But in interviews or on stage, he'll be like, well. You know, I'm 
I'm OCD, so he he explains all his conditions. This is OCD, though. Well, no? well, no, well, he he what does he say? He says like I'm bipolar. He explains his conditions and then goes off in these streams of consciousness after he's justified it. Okay. So he tells you why you should shut up for ten minutes, and then he talks for ten minutes. There you go. So there you go. So just yeah. the the different styles and how we did the prep work for this. I'm like, okay, um, you're right. We're 41 minutes or about 41 minutes in this, and uh, I've only hit like like two things on my list of things I need to hit. So, um, but. But I think it works because we're we're it's it's bringing up other conversations like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Um, I think I remember seeing Aliens in, in in this theater called the Allen. My mommy took us to top fifty for me for sure. But so you prefer Alien over Aliens, right? Oh, you said Aliens. No, no, Alien. Oh, Alien. Ali- oh, I prefer Alien over Aliens. Yeah, I yeah. do. So and and a, they're different genre, really. I mean, I think Alien is a a a sci-fi thriller. Whereas I think um, Aliens is a sci-fi action, action yeah, film. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So th- I would not call them. You know, I think they're both successful at what they do in their genre. I think Aliens I for me is more successful at what it does in its genre. I agree. I I think though that the for me the pinnacle of like of um, sci-fi horror thriller is Predator because I, to me Predator contains everything. We can talk about this some other time, but that that is a narratively, it's a very unique movie. Too. Great film, Predator. Um, first one. The first half is again like Rambo, like a Rambo movie. You mean and then, First Blood or no, Rambo no, no, uh, um, Part Two? I, sorry, First Blood. <laughs> first Blood. It, it, it's close, to like a First Blood action movie. Right. And then, no, no, no. You're talking about probably I'm, I'm Rambo. Predator. No, no. But you're talking. You're comparing Predator to Rambo, First Blood, Part Two. You're right. Okay, no, you're right. Because First Blood is not. First, First Blood, Blood is very is, drama. It's a very drama, excellent it's film. Moody, yeah, great movie. Very um, drama, very psychological. Very film. atmospheric. Yes. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. It it it's more like an action, a Stallone classic action movie. Right. Um, or like a um a Total Recall. Yep. Um, Commando kind of movie. Right. But definitely more serious though. Definitely more serious. Uh, its tone, and then it's it weaves its way into alien territory masterfully. I think it's a great film, which is so disappointing because the same guy who wrote that, Shane Black, wrote the reboot, which it was universally reviled. Never even saw it. It was awful. Never even it, saw it. It was awful. That's where they're trying to weaponize the predator. Is that what they? I, was, I don't even. I don't even know what the. I don't even know what the premise of that was. But I think I, there's a big I, there's a, like I a giant even. predator that's human. Manufactured, I think they went the uh, Jurassic World so they cloned uh, route, which is just like take everything you liked about the first one and just give you just supersize it. How do you? you know? know? I, I don't understand. How, I I really I don't understand how you make a bad Predator movie or how you make a bad Alien movie when there's so much rich content there. I I, I would think you know again I've written screenplays and I've written short stories and I've written novels. I think that would be an easy thing to write a successful predator There's movie already because so, so much world building. But it's yeah. so yeah, it's so built in, and you have a built-in audience, and you have built-in characters, and you it's it, it, you're right. The world's created for you, and you can do whatever you want with well, it. Well, he tried to make a Marvel movie, is what he did. Which Marvel, he did, right? Did he do Iron Man? One of the Iron Man movies? Did he do Shane Iron Black? Man two or three or now? Did he do Iron Man so. three? I don't think yes, so. Like Sean Vav- no, uh, uh, John Favreau did one. Yeah, he did one, but I think he might have uh, done three. Maybe, but uh, oh, it's possible. It's possible, but um, it, it's possible. But every everyone is trying to make the Marvel movie, which is action, action, joking, action, action, joking. It's got this rhythm to it, Brilliant. which works. Yeah, it definitely works. It, it works, but it, it it's it it's a, well, it's the same. Well, Star Wars. Uh, That's its Star own Wars. Ep- its own episode. <laughs> Star it's Wars. Own episode. But but the Marvel 
rhythm has it infected every every movie which at uh, one every point, franchise at least which at one point we should talk about the uh, scorsese coppola comments about how marvel's ruined cinema you, you read those over the past maybe two months yeah yeah um which is you know and i yeah i'm get, a big scorsese fan yeah. i i need to take a look at uh, coppola's work to figure out if i like him because you know I'm, uh, I'm not a fan of uh the godfather i'm not a fan of uh um what else did he do uh, outsiders outside which i love outsiders great, brilliant great but that's movie. not that's not his that's not what no, he's it's known not his, for no, i think most not. people forget that he directed that movie um, apocalypse now yeah yes apocalypse now which i'm not a fan of um he also did um yeah yeah i, I he's yeah I, I should mention are those the only we got to take a look at his films? uh filmography did he do uh did he do the what's the movie about the jewish gangsters did he do that one too Jennifer Connelly and Robert De Niro. He might have done that one too. It was a Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah, he yeah. may have done. That. I think he did that. It's possible, which I never saw. I tried watching it. It just seemed a little like a slower paced Godfather. I know somebody who watched that movie loves it. Maybe completely disagrees, but I never could get into past the first couple minutes. So, so yeah, we should we should talk about those comments and what the implications are. And, and it's, I think they're wrong, but I think, oh, I, and I think they're trying to say is that. These these mega blockbuster movies are taking away from storytelling and opportunities for other directors to tell their story, which I totally disagree with because I disagree too. There's other movies like Hereditary. I mean, I may not like that movie, but that movie I assume was a small budget movie and was a commercial yeah. success and 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 critically acclaimed. Um, Joker, forty million, fifty million budget. Yeah, made over a billion dollars. Yeah, so I think there's room for everybody to tell their story, and you don't have to have the blockbuster. I think Marvel does it well, and that's good for them. But I don't necessarily agree with comments from Scorsese and Coppola saying that they're ruining. We'll we'll put in a future podcast. We'll uh, pull up that quote, the quotes, because they, yeah. they're extensive quotes, and uh, I think they're, I think. Coppola said something that implicated, and I think um, Scorsese went on and, and elaborated much further on it. So, but it's an interesting thing to take a look at. Um, uh, the Irishman is probably something we got to watch yes, and, and talk about. I have not. It's a th three and a half it, hours. So you're it's had good reviews. I mean, is it is it highly reviewed right now? From what I've heard, yeah. So we'll have to take a look at that um, again. It's three and a half hours of your life. So, yeah. We'll it's see. an investment. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll have to see that sometime soon. Um, so getting back to like the Death Wish two thing, the the other thing I remember us as kids doing is my mom would give us bus fare and we'd take a uh, bus out to downtown LA, which could have been safe for. I mean, imagine I must have been eight to ten years old with my brother who's four years older than me, um, and we used to go to the State Theater again, old school theater, and they would do a uh, they would run three three movies back to back to back. And we must have seen those movies, I don't know, maybe 10 times. So it was First Blood, which, of course, I, I know that, that narrative very well. Creep Show, which I loved. Oh, Creep Show is great. And Death Wish 2. So I've seen these movies probably 10 times just in that theater, Prince. So um, in, in as I was researching this, those are rated R movies. I'm not even quite sure how I got into the theater. As long as I, I paid, I guess I got in. But I'm not quite sure that would let... A, why they would let like an eight to ten year old in a in a rated R movie in downtown LA? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of the first rated R movie I saw in the theater. <laughs> I don't know. What was the first adult movie? 
I don't know. I adult think about movie. That. Well, no, I haven't been <laughs> Wait, wait a second. And you know what? You know what I was just talking to Jenny about? It's actually that like, there's no adult theaters anymore, like Triple X theaters. Well, it's right? funny, funny you mentioned that, though, because in Huntington Park, where, where, the, uh, where the California theater was, they had an adult theater there. It's called the Pussycat Theater. And so we'd walk, we'd take the bus to Huntington Park with my mom, and we'd have to, the bus would pass through it, and I'd look and, you know, look a little too long, and my mom was like, yeah, don't look over there. <laughs> And, and so there was an adult theater in Huntington Park, and it was on Pacific Avenue, like right when you got to the uh, the southern entrance to the main strip on Pacific. You know that the location very well. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but here's the here's the here's the, the the ironic thing about it is it was located, if I'm not sure, ne- right next door to, or at least a couple of other shops down for it was a was a was a uh, a bridal shop. Oh, well, you know what they say about those bridal shops, especially in this area. On Las Tunas and stuff, all those bridal shops. What did they, they say? Well, those are all fronts for uh, their brothels. Really? Uh, yeah. And you know this <laughs> hearsay. It's uh, hearsay. This, yeah, well, it, it, this SGV Tribune and wow. uh, different people. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I never see anybody in them. And, and there's just uh, they're just rows and rows of bridal shops. Really? There's not very many anymore because they cracked down on them a few years ago. So you're saying that— Well, all the that massage parlors in Eagle Rock, too, they cracked down on those. There was, yeah. You seem to know a lot about this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I know a lot about a lot of things, so so not, yeah, not just this. It was a pussycat theater, and then there was the bridal shop right next door, um, and then around the corner was a comic comic book store. So oh, we would have we'd go to the comic book store all the time, little small shop. So, but um, yeah, the, the adult theater thing is kind of funny because we had one in Huntington Park. Yeah, but they don't really exist anymore. No, oh, that's that's called the internet now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have to buy videos or DVDs or show your face walking into one of those places. <laughs> yeah, no. The, the, yeah, it totally eliminates that walk of shame of, on renting uh, uh, adult films now. <laughs> so, but you weren't talking about when you saw your first adult film. You no, but first... you know, yeah, first like rated R movie. I can't remember what it was. I don't know. Maybe so, um, I think, and then the other thing I remember is like my brother, the, you know, brother, my brother's four years older than me. Um, they used to shoot Super 8 movies all the time when they were kids. And so, you know, Indiana Jones was out or Raiders of the Lost Ark was out and Star Wars was out. So they would do their own interpretation of that. And I think um, my, my brother being four years older than me, I was like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Like, can I, can I be part of your film? And of course, the answer was inevitably no. <laughs> Unless my mom said, hey, you know, take your brother with you because I don't want him here and, and go find something for, for him to do. In which case, you know, I, I had to beg and, and, and to be in one of his movies. And then I was like, uh, I was like the Star Trek red shirt guy. Oh, like, I would like die. Random worker in the yeah, back. Yeah, I would die. And I'm like, ah, shoot, I don't want to just go and die. <laughs> so, but I think, um, I think for us, movies have been a part of us. And I think we we've enjoyed them, and I think as a family we've we've grown up watching them, and so I think for me it's the same thing, and I, I instill that love of film for for my own children. And there's still a couple of theaters out that show that run um, that run movies, and I'm saying like the Egyptian Theater runs mm-hmm. classic movies, and the Arrow Theater does, and uh, I've got to, I know that they existed for years, I just haven't gotten out to see. Yeah, them. I remember showing you they're showing the 2001, uh, they're showing the 2001. Uh, and I missed it. A seventy yeah. million. Oh, they, it's I passed already. Well, I I just ha- well I don't I just haven't. It's one of those things where like, oh I gotta look into that and I just haven't done it for some reason. Yeah, so there's like, nothing better than watching a print of a film that you enjoy with a bunch of other people who enjoy that film as much as you. And so the we saw the thing, a seventy millimeter print of the thing, God. not too long ago, and it was just 
everybody in the theater is like super jazzed when McCready shows up or it's such a, 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 a synergistic experience because you're all there for the same purpose. And you've seen it. You've all seen it. This, you've all seen the movie several times. So which you can only get. And you're right. That experience in a movie theater, you can only get with movies that have been out forever. Yep. Because when new movies, the only things that are in theaters generally are new movies, which right. people haven't seen before, so right. you don't know when to clap. Or um, the only the only other time I can think of, well, the only other the other movie that I that I know of that has a, a following like that, I'm sure many do, but one that um, is uh, it, people really interact with the movie is The Room, which I'm not sure if you it's uh, it's the best worst movie ever made. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about the one with uh, Brie Larson. No, was that? That's called the, the room. room? Is that, the room? Yeah, where she's kidnapped, the cure the kid or, or, or kidnapped. No, you're talking about Bre- the Bree uh, Cheese Larson. Yeah, yeah, you're um, talking about um, uh, disaster uh, artist. Yeah, yeah, Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, yeah, because uh, there are so many odd things about it. that movie. Is so it, it works on so many levels, but there's people will throw spoons at the screen because for some reason there's spoons in that movie. Like there's artwork of spoons. There's spoons everywhere in the movie for some reason. So what does that mean to you? I mean, I know you're like I, a deep. <laughs> well, no, it's uh, it doesn't mean anything. I think it's just a guy who likes spoons. I, I don't. Is it think, a heroine? Is it a heroine? I, I don't think uh, it means. I think I think it was a very passionate guy whose personality got into the film, but he just there's just not much there. There's just no content. It's it's symbols with no content. You know. Okay, um, I, and I'm gonna now pop the second beer. Go ahead. Of, I, I uh, do have to drive home. That's why I think I'm. Oh yeah, then don't yeah. then don't. Um, but I will pop the second beer now. This is an interesting beer. It's um, by the brewery. It's called Cafe Coco. It's an imperial stout with ancho chilies, coffee beans, cinnamon, milk sugar, and vanilla extract, and it's a 9.7 percent uh, alcohol. You, you, you're gonna have to try a little bit of it though. I'll try a little. Um. I'm gonna find a beer you're gonna enjoy at some point. Well, no, I, I enjoy this. This is uh, this is good. Um, let me see. Let me do this. <laughs> Watch. Well, All right. Try just a little pour. That sounds good. Um. So what do you what we're talking about? And then we're wrapping up oh, our, our. It's like coffee. Oh yeah, and you get the you get the ancho yeah. chilies. It's a little spice. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I yeah, liked yeah. it a lot, actually. Okay, good. See? Yeah, that's good. Expose you to all the different beers out there. Very different than this beer, which is the IPA. This is a stout, so definitely a different style of beer. Um, but what would you say that the film that, that really kind of um, kind of endured or, or endeared, um, what's the one film that you say, hey, this is why I love film? Are we picking one film? That, uh, is it, like, we're gonna, you're going to pick one as well that's... Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, and God. just like in, in you know, for sentimentality, or you just you remember it as a child, and this is like wow. What was that one wow film like you saw before the age of ten? Or two films? Wow, film that I saw before. Oh, jeez, movies that really. I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one that really captured the imagination. And one that I don't like to watch too much anymore because if I do it, it ruins it, – it just strips off that veneer that's been built up over decades of having the soundtrack and everything in my head and, uh, and, and seeing the old VHS tape and rewinding it over and over again, you know. Uh, well, there's two. Uh, first is Back to the Future. Uh-huh. And the second is Hook. Oh, yeah. Um, neither of which 
I've ever considered in the same way that I would the thing or you know a Coen Brothers movie you know like um, Barton Fink or something you know those are movies that to me take a lot of effort they take a lot of effort on the part of the um, audience Back to the Future and the Hook you know you, Spielberg you, you get it you know they're just they're they're what they are they're crowd pleasers and 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 there there's depth to them for sure but you can get it immediately you know uh, so those certainly captured a uh, captured, well, I think it, it's the nostalgia feels, you know, it's uh, thinking of something, a birthday party or a Christmas when you were seven or eight or nine, and these emotions come flooding back, those movies do that for me, they, they, the movies I watched a lot, and the soundtracks are very memorable, and, um, you know, you, know, you picture yourself in the, sh- you picture yourself as Peter Pan, you picture yourself as Marty McFly, you picture yourself in the car, you know, so, right. um, yeah, they, they, um, they really, like, you can't think, I, I think movies, some movies are like that, where you can't think of a time in your life without associating them with certain songs, movies, certain people, you know, places you lived, and it's just a fixture, a fixture of, of, uh, of your memory schema from that time. Right. So those two, for sure. Uh, if we're talking like pre ten years old, yeah, and I think for me, probably The Wizard of Oz, I think would be number one. I think I've seen that movie. I probably couldn't even count how many times I've seen that movie. Now, do you think that just real quick before you go to the second one, do you think that movie is an allegory for something? Oh Jesus! The you know the, the presidential big... election of eighteen uh, whatever it was. <laughs> oh, you mean or... like the, the like the Al Frank bomb, like the novel and at the historical context or. The, when the, that movie the novel was made. supposedly is, and do you think the film is uh, uh, has to do with um, LSD, uh, gold-backed currency, and you know, uh, one world no government? Idea. No and, idea okay. what you're talking right. about. Right. No, like completely just I'll went to no. you went to a completely different direction. Um, uh, there, there are some theories about that movie, which I don't necessarily believe. I, I think it's, I think it's just a good movie, which. Um, yeah, don't don't ruin the movie. No, 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 don't, I, no, don't I, ruin I don't. My I childhood think, with uh, conspiracy theory. No, no, I think it's a great movie with a lot of um, a lot of depth, a lot of thematic depth to it. But I don't see it as a conspiracy. Uh, no, you sure? It's I don't I don't think it's an allegory for anything. It's a snuff. It's a snuff film. It's a snuff film. Are you telling me the Wizard of Oz represent? Well, there's know, supposed to be no. that one shot with the with the with the with the suicide, right? Is that, yeah. Is that is that, is that Urban legend is that? It's like an urban a, legend. There is something swinging in the background, it's just a prop. But though, it's but not a Munchkin. No, with with Blu-ray, you can see it. It's it's uh, not a Munchkin. Oh, actually, no, it's not. It's not. No, they actually had uh, giant birds on set that day, like peacocks. And so it's a peacock. It's that's a peacock hung walking somewhere? around. Oh, no, oh, no, oh. no, no, we hung it. No, I forgot about that. No, with Blu-ray and with modern technology, people have zoomed in on those frames, right. and it's a peacock. Okay. So. It's a large bird or something, a crane or something walking around. All right, stop ruining my childhood. I have enough right, well uh, trauma from childhood <laughs> for you to add more to it. Um, <laughs> right. It's just one of those movies where where it presented what what should be impossible, and it makes it possible. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a story that that visually is stunning, musically is amazing, incredible, yeah. and I think. You know, we all know those songs, and I don't care if you're five or or ninety. You've seen that movie. How about the colors in that movie? Are incredible, aren't they? Well, don't forget that was the first color film. I mean, the whole big thing on that was they shot a bunch of it in black and white, and uh, 
and then the advent of color, if I'm not mistaken, were, was was being done at that time. And so they then they went back and they did all this color thing. So it's an amazing, visually amazing. I mean, talk about hitting all the right notes. I mean, that that it's hard to criticize that movie and find errors in 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 the storytelling and the characterization and the dialogue. It's it's almost one of those perfect films. And I think that's why it stood the test of time because it's that good. Yeah, I mean it's got everything in it. It's got horror. You know, when you're a kid, some of those some of those scenes can be very scary. Um, and and it's it's one of the, it's um, you know which movie does this really well too is Ghostbusters, the first Ghostbusters. There they they find a way to be scary to children, but they they take just enough of the edge off, right? So the first ghost, the library ghost in Ghostbusters, that scared me as a kid, but when the ghost, when when she jumps out at you and she reveals her form as this horrible ghoul, right? When she's the, first, she's the librarian, the, the the you know the hush librarian, and then she reveals her ghoul form. Right. But she turns pink, which is like, if she was just green or gray, it would be too much. But because she's pink, it's the same thing with Wizard of Oz. I think some of the scenes of the flying monkeys are scary. Right. You know, creepy. The Wicked Witch is is freaky. Creepy. Um, but. Because you have those beautiful colors and because you have the balance of Dorothy there, you know, who's also a little bit older. Yeah. So if you saw a little kid going through that, you would be, oh, my God, this is too much. Well, didn't they want Shirley Temple? I think originally yeah, they Shirley Temple. Yeah, I think Temple. so. Yeah. I think it would have been too much. I, I think yeah, I don't know Judy why Garland. Yeah, I don't know why that casting didn't work out because I think Judy Garland was super old. Yeah, she was definitely older. I don't I know how old she was, but she's definitely older. She was definitely an older actress playing a younger kid. And I think they originally wanted Shirley Temple, and I don't know why that didn't work out. We've got to revisit that one because I haven't thought of this angle before, but the fact that she does – she she's obviously trying to play like a 10, 11-year-old girl. Yeah, how like old that. is that? Car- you're, you're, it's a good question, though, because she's got to be – I think I want to say she's in her 20s when she made that movie. The, 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 the figure body, oh, Toto, right? It's very she's childish. Be, yeah, she's supposed to be a child. She's but supposed it, to be a child, and she has no friends. And she doesn't look like. Well, I don't have any friends either. Well, no, but that relevant? you know, I mean, she's, she's an introvert. She's an introvert. But, but she's, she's, an introvert. she's not like a teenager with like this. She doesn't have a. She, when she runs away, she runs away the way a little kid would do, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just leaving. She doesn't have like a boyfriend. She's running off with or anything. Right. Very odd. I, I'd like to go back and think of that whole angle. And it, I'd also want to know how old Shirley Temple was at the time, and maybe that's that, a good maybe question that factored too. into why they needed to cast someone who was older because I mean, it's a pretty fantastical journey. Yeah. And so if you're a ten year old, that's not something that you would. Uh, so, yeah, I think we should take a look at that. I wonder, you know, now that she reads as an adult. Yeah, no, it's definitely. But I, when I'm thinking about it now, if I'm picturing like a nine or ten year old going through that. Or, or or does it seem like a kids movie? It's Heather's a kids question. movie. It is a kids movie. Yeah. But does the fact but she's that she's not a kid? She, exactly. Does the fact that Judy Garland is she, the fact that she's older? Does that add a depth to it that a, a tonal or a thematic depth to it that you don't get if it's just a kid? Because I'm telling you this with all those colors and the munchkins and everything, if it's just a little kid dancing, I probably don't look at it the same way. I probably well, don't. I, th- I think it seems more impossible. If it's a younger kid, yeah, I think we do. I think we definitely need to take a look, uh, another look at that, and figure out the. Context. There's more there than I've thought about for sure. 
but but you're right though. If it's a eight year old actress going through that stuff with the Wicked Witch, I mean that's and the monkey. The monkeys are, are terrifying. If it's an eight year old actress having to deal with the witch and the monkeys, that that's gonna scare the crap out of everybody. Even the trees. Remember the talking trees yeah. and the apples. But if you're an adult, if you cast an adult who's pretending to be a young kid, maybe that's more visually palatable. Maybe. Yeah, I can think of it. Even with uh, yeah, and too also even with the uh, the the wizard and with the um, the scarecrow and the Tin Man, like if they're leading around a small child, it's she's almost not the hero anymore. They become the heroes, but but Judy Garland is is the hero in that movie. Dorothy is. Yeah, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, wow, we got to think about that for sure. That that that's a that's a long conversation, I think, about that one aspect of that film. I had another film. I, I think probably the other film would be Star Wars. I mean, oh, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I was a huge, huge Star Wars fan up until about a few years ago when uh, <laughs> wasn't The everybody. Force Awakens came out. Um, but I think that for me was, you know, I, as much as I like The Wizard of Oz, I can't relate to Dorothy because it's a female protagonist. Yeah. But I think all of us as kids, as boys, we could identify with Luke Skywalker. I mean, that's who we wanted to be. We were these kids who, who were powerless and yep. became empowered. So that hero's journey, traditional hero's journey, like that appealed to me. And it's like, hey, that can that. If Luke can do it, why can't I do it? And and you know this whole spirituality of the Force. Like, do we we don't we have the ability to do what we want to do and 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 control our destiny? And I think that that called out to me, I think. And so I would definitely say my second film would be star Wars, even though now, now, um, it's really kind of lost a lot of the, uh, it sure the, has the power. I think, and you know, I'm not a fan, like, like many people, I'm not a fan of the, uh, the last couple of movies that have been out, which, which have star Wars characters, but it's not star Wars. It's the same with the predator. Right? It's not a predator movie. It's, it's got the predator in it. And I know we want to talk about uh, the rise of Skywalker probably in the next one because that's coming out pretty soon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I know I don't want to go see it, but I'm pretty sure you're going to make me go see it. Well, I think we have to. I think we have to. That that'll be the 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 end of my childhood. Um, will be with the the release of that film. I think. Well, think about it. There's never going to be anything like this ever again, because the greatest movie franchise of all time is Star Wars. Without a doubt, it's, it's not Marvel. Not Marvel hasn't uh, taken over that helm. I w- I would say no. I think the longevity of Star Wars and the fact that it was the first one and the fact that uh, um, I I I still think it's Star Wars. And also too, I think Star Wars. Um, st- I, I I almost put Star Wars in a different category. These yeah. extended universes yeah. are different from trilogies. Like Indiana Jones is not an extended universe trilogy. Yeah, when people uh, tell me to name my top ten films, I never include a Star Wars movie just because Star Wars is its own entity. Exactly, it has its own life and exactly. And, and I, I, you you can't say the same about Marvel. You can't say what's your favorite movie. Oh, uh, I, I I count all Marvel movies. It, it doesn't work the same because it's extended. Um, that's why, right? It's extended, and because I think all the tones are all different too. I mean, they're all kind of funny, right? But like Thor is very different from Captain America, right. which is different from you know Iron Man. Right, but um, but we were talking about the um, uh, oh yeah, the, the Star Wars. But I think it, there's never anything like this because you're watching the greatest movie franchise 
uh, crash and burn. The only way that would, the only way we'd be able to see that again would be like thirty years from now when someone redoes Marvel and does it horribly and push, puts all kind of all kinds of identity politics in it. And, you know. what, what if the what if the goal was to crash and burn Star Wars though? It's kind of interesting if you think about that. What if the what if the Hey, I'm supposed to be the conspiracy theorist. I know, but You're supposed it, to be it, the, the rugged idealist. I know, but it's kind of weird, though, because maybe the intent was, <laughs> I'm sorry, hey, rugged skeptic. Skeptic. It, it, what, if the, what if the thought was, let, we need to end Star Wars, and we're going to just tank, we're going to tank this series. So, we you know what? We won't have to see any more Star Wars. We, you know, it's beloved, and it's a national treasure or a world treasure. Let's be done with it. And so why don't we intentionally sabotage the Star Wars universe so we could be done with it and go on to other ideas? Um, I, I, my perspective on that, I broke uh, simply as I think those people are too smart to fail this spectacularly. Yeah, that's and that's the point. So, but then you know, then you can look at other franchises that they have purposefully, like I can't. I mean, you know, they have marketing. They have guys who make millions of dollars a year do nothing but study marketing and study what works, what doesn't work. How do they go then and not only make a movie like Ghostbusters 2016? Okay, where do you want to... Which I liked, by the way. Okay, well, but they have the directors and the actresses say things to purposely piss people off, you know? Charlie's Angels. They don't just make a movie that bombs, but they make a movie that bombs so spectacularly, and then they have the people... But the, the people involved, the director, the writers, the actors, they go out there and then they, they say things to get people even angrier with them. So to me, that, that just stinks too much of something that's orchestrated. I don't see how that's accidental. So do you think Star Wars, it's possible that Star Wars has been sabotaged intentionally? That I, last movie, I, there, there's no way to justify that last movie. There's no way to, to justify that last movie and how bad it was. No, they, they break all the rules of canon. It's not a Star Wars film. Um, it's not it, a Star Wars film. It's not a Star Wars movie. I think that it's certainly plausible if you want to – okay, I'll say this. If you believe that there are uh, groups of people, organizations that steer popular culture and that are ultimately in charge of these giant media con- conglomerates, then, yeah, I can see them having an agenda for destroying our modern – as some people call it, our modern mythologies, right? Like we don't have Greek gods. We don't have – stories we have movies um you know we, we most americans don't know history and i'm not saying that's saying that's necessarily like a, the worst thing ever i'm just saying we, we we're generally ignorant of great character you know, so if you think of something really inspiring most people are going to turn to a fictional character or a religious one right like most people if you talk to say okay, give me your most inspiring stories most people aren't going to tell you about um uh you know some world war Two event or something they're going to talk to you about iron man or or a religious figure so is there a reason to destroy those stories i think possibly but again you have to at least consider the idea that there are people in charge of this stuff who have agendas socially and on a world uh on a world um on a worldwide scale right so i think it's possible that now, now I'm thinking like you. <laughs> See how how much how far do you want to take that idea, right? I think that now I'm now under the notion that Star Wars, the design was to tank the series, to destroy it, to be done with it, and they've done a damn good job of it so far. I mean, there's really nothing they can do in this next movie to salvage the. the 
I'm not, I don't care about any one character in the series. I mean, I think Ray had some potential. I think I like the strong female protagonist. I, I'm all for that. But there's not one character that I'm vested in in this in this trilogy. No, they turned. Uh, yeah, they whatever. Can't stand Finn. Can't stand Poe. They're yeah. just they're just really poorly drawn out characters, and I don't I don't get it, and I don't know why I don't like them. I just don't like them. I think. Um, God, it's another. I, I don't know. I think I think a simple appearance has something to do with it. Harrison Ford looks like an action hero. Mark Hamill looked like he just looked better doing all that stuff. When I look at the guy Poe, uh, who, who, I forgot the actor's name, but I just he just doesn't look like an action guy to me. And we're talking about movies. We're talking about an an idealized version of the world, right? So and, I don't. And you want a white male? <laughs> that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> Thank you for saying it so I didn't have to. Well, it's kind of no, I mean, but, come it, on. but oh. it is kind of weird though. Like, you know, growing up and watching Star Wars, which is a completely, you know, um opposite of the the the, the diversity, I'm sorry, the diversity we see in in Last Jedi. It's weird because growing up, all of the heroes we saw portrayed in comic books and and cinema and TV have always been white males. So I, I was always like had the, the joke was like, I, I don't think we make it. I don't think the minorities make it because anytime I saw a portrayal of, of the future, it was definitely devoid of brown people. Occasionally you'd have an African-American next generation had Jordan LaForge. Um, I think eventually you get to Chakotay and, and one of the other spinoffs of Star Trek, but there's really a lack of diversity. Oh, you had uh, the uh, Uhura. What's the in the original Star Trek? I I, I forgot her name. Is that um, her name? Is that the character's name? Yeah, yeah, Uhura. Yeah, I forgot her name too. Uh, yeah, her and Captain there's, Kirk. Yeah. There's definitely been a lack of diversity and growing up as a kid and not seeing a portrayal of of people in the future that looked like me was definitely off-putting. Uh, but but you, but what but you don't just you just don't force people you know and again I think the last Jedi what it does is it just over diversifies in a way or it diversifies just for the sake for the of sake the, of yeah, the, yeah for the sake of diversity yeah and it seems like you're forced you you have every you have area every ethnicity on the planet represented in in Star Wars it, it seems like now just uh, because yeah well I, I again I. I Okay, Alien. Um, Yafet Koto. Right. Um, no, um, Ripley, right? Yeah. Sarah Connor, Terminator. Yeah. Um, but these are white women. Well, they, they are, but, but I'm, well, they are. But my point was um, when they make a movie like Ghostbusters, or they make a movie, or they're making the James. New James Bond. I'm not even called James Bond. A new 007 movie, with um, they casted a female. They casted a female. A black. I, I female. wanted. Um, I was rooting for uh, Idris Elba. No problem with that. Badass. No problem. Awesome guy. Why? No I was hoping. I was rooting for him. I thought he'd be an excellent okay. James Bond. But Idris Elba looks like an action hero. I don't really care about his race. He just looks. He's got. He looks like it. Um. So he's. He fits the role. 
I feel like they when a movie like uh, like a, a Star Wars, uh, they put a Poe in there because he's this kind of like. He he looks like mixed race kind of like it's like they do in commercials right they put a white guy and a black guy because they feel like it covers all races right you go from the the two extremes you know <laughs> so they don't have to put every color in there right um, and I think for they did the same thing with um, with uh, they did the same thing with the Last Jedi and even the Force Awakens you know you had to put uh, you know the the Empire is. Uh, is, oh boy, um, we really got to talk about that. This we were talking about that. Remember we watched it last week uh, with the yeah. Dom Gleason Hux. He's like yeah. the bumbling, the like it's, the whitest guy you could imagine, and he's incompetent. Yeah, but I, but I, I so I think what we're getting at is this: when you subjugate story and subjugate character uh, to, you make it secondary to your identity is simply based on your race or your agenda or something that is just so superficial. It's like, why, why care? There's just no reason right. to care about it. Do something and do it intentionally. Don't do it just because, just because. And I think the diversity in Star Wars now, it's just for the sake of diversity, it seems. It's definitely that. It's definitely that. It's. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, I, God, you know, I know we're, we're, we've gone over a bunch. Um <laughs> But when you think about Finn, I, is he African American? Is he human? Are they humans? Like, I, like what about or Finn? Clones? What about Finn that makes him a minority? Uh, are they from Earth? I, I don't. I don't get. Again, there's like so many layers of. I don't get it. This that. We got to talk about. We, we're gonna do. We're gonna do it an episode. Uh, well, and we'll we'll end it here. We're gonna do an episode on minority representation in cinema. I think because I think it's an it's an important thing for me, um, and I think it's 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 something that's changing now. I think. I mean, you, you know, you've always had breakthrough people like City Poitier, which my boy just saw in the heat of the night um, last week and loved it. And you know, you you've had some stellar actors that have happened to be minorities, but what about what? Spawn? Like Spawn was a black superhero and. Early two thousands, late nineties, and it just, it just was a movie. And John Leguizamo was in it as well. Yeah, but so I, I think we need to take know. a look at that probably for save it for a much deeper yeah conversation sure. because it's interesting sure. to see the diversity for diversity's sake and and what what's the point of it? Yeah, and is it is it it just is it marketing so that you know you appeal to a wider audience because people could identify now? I mean, I don't I don't know, but I think it's definitely something to take a look at um but i think probably we should close it up right there yeah 120 yeah that's not bad we went a little bit over and we had two beers and we talked about a, a couple of films and i think we're good for the first episode so um i want to bring it to a close uh this has been bruise views and other nerdities uh i am leonard martinez and you are tim castaneda and then we'll talk to you guys soon <laughs>